Welcome back in the GOAT Zoom room. I'm Caitlin, joined by Andy, and today we're also joined by the sniper himself, Barry Spears. Good to have you on, Barry. We're excited. We're going to have some fun. Um, going to kind of do it lighthearted this time. Not much going on this weekend, so had a couple tracks canceled. Let's just shoot it up, just talk and see what we got. So how are you doing, Barry? Good, doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. This, this should be fun. You know, I like talking to you guys on Twitter, and, and it's even better talking to you in person. I think I think with the advent of Zoom, it's made it a lot easier for everybody to talk to everybody and discuss topics like horse racing and all that. And I know Caitlin and I um, have been kind of throwing it around to try to put together some sort of podcast network for horse racing only. Just yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. Actually, a friend of mine who is roundabout in the racing business. Um, he has a, a, a NBA podcast that he joined with a whole group with a guy who uh, actually is the announcer or was the announcer for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So he started this whole thing with the league and they have their own podcast. So it's definitely a good idea. It definitely worked there. I don't see why it couldn't work in horse racing. I think, I think the problem with the horse racing deal, sometimes I think it's a lot with egos, you know, Oh, yeah, yeah, like Twin Spires, they got their stuff going on where they've got all their, they've got like their people like Scott Schapp and mm-hmm. Ed DeRosa and Beamer and all them. I just think like with you and, and Charles Simon having your stuff and then, um, you know, Barshu and, and Swifty starting to get their stuff rolling too. I think it wouldn't be a bad idea if, if like, Twitter, Twitterati that we are, just banded together and actually got something done for once. Yeah, it's hard to do, man. We're not, we're not the most united group. <laughs> I think that group, for the most part, is. Yeah, yeah, I, I think something could happen. It's just, it's just a matter of how. You know, I, I think it's just a little bit of planning, people getting together, having a few phone calls, you know, what have you. But it, it could happen. It could work. I think so. I know I, I know I thought about uh, you know Caitlin's so good at this that she should you know we have it one day you have it one day Swifty and them have it one day I don't know yeah, it's not a bad idea start working on it and trying to get it together and actually you, you know rolling. yeah that, that's a good idea because you could have it on different days you know it's like you know like a show on you know the day of the week like big Mondays big Tuesdays big Wednesdays you know with with certain people yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a really good idea, especially, you know, and then you could actually have one day open where you could rotate where, um, you know, the, the people get a crack at the weekend races or something. Yeah. I like that. Let's see, look at this. We're already trying to figure it out. <laughs> Roundtable effort here. I totally love it. So as long as, as, very long as Charles doesn't bring up the Knicks, we're good. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that's a certainty. <laughs> so i know i've heard the story but barry for those of us who don't know maybe andy i don't think he knows how did you really get into racing how did this all come about for you getting involved in the sport well i was a little child and uh, uh my grandparents lived in brooklyn and we used to live in new jersey in trenton new jersey and we used to visit when we used to visit we used to go to the track on the weekend saturday and sunday either belmont or aqueduct um, as we, as I got a little bit older, uh, we moved to Massachusetts and we used to go to Saratoga for a week, uh, every, every August. 
uh, because the meet was only during August back then. Um, and I begged my father to take me to the breakfast program so I could see the workouts. And they had a, a few seminars there. Um, one of them was a handicapping seminar. I, I believe it was Stephen, Chris, and Harvey Pack that ran it. Um, you, you got a free racing form, and they went over how to read the, the past performances. I was eight years old, um, figured out how to read it, and just went from there. It was just I fell in love with it from day one was the horses and the jockeys and the silks and everything. And it was just it was just so much fun. And I and I couldn't get enough of it. After that, I read every book I could on the subject, um, whether it's, you know, breeding, handicapping, everything. Um, and, and it's to this day, you know, I'm still trying to learn, still trying to get better. And, 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 and I just love the game top to bottom. Now, when you met your wife, doesn't isn't there a connection between you and her with racing and gambling Absolutely. and how you guys met? Absolutely. She was a teller at the Orlando High Lie. Um, and I used to go there after work and, you know, we just hit it off. And, and uh, I used to go to her to cash all my tickets and tip her good. And then, uh, geez, I think it was like two years later, we had our, our daughter and uh, she's nicknamed the High Lie Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if like Jose Contreras can have the what is it? What does he call his daughter? Um, uh, the bad beat. Um, bad beat the therapist. therapist. Yeah. Yes. I guess you can have the highlight baby. Yeah, that that's what it is. Yeah, it, it's so, so funny because uh, last weekend I was at uh, Tampa Bay Downs for the Sam F. Davis, and uh, I was telling people that story, and I was like, well, if there wasn't horse racing, there wouldn't be my daughter. <laughs> That, that's, I mean, that's the one thing. And, you know, we talked to Jude about this last week. It's funny how we tend to gravitate toward horse racing. Most of us that are in this game and we stay where there's no like, oh, well, I'm going to be gone for a bit. And even if like somebody says, well, I'm going to, I'm not going to deal with it anymore. They come back. Well, I took a hiatus when I was in college. You know, I, I, I played college basketball. I played overseas for about five or six years. And, it, you know, it, it, it was never off of my mind. I just didn't participate as much as I did, you know, obviously before when I was in high school. And then, you know, after I, I stopped playing, then I really got into it, you know, a lot more. So, you know, it, it, it was just something that I, I fell in love with. And, and I think a lot of people do, which is mind boggling to me, how it's hard for us to get new younger fans. Speaking of a new younger audience, I think one of my favorite videos of all time is your daughter with the Bobby's kitten picture. Oh yeah, she, yeah, I bought that after um, I hit that big pick four um, that day, British Cup day. And uh, she, she, she knows Bobby's kitten to this day. She'll never forget that. I mean, it was me and her, my wife was at work at the time. And, and we were just going out of our minds. The cops got called. Our neighbors thought something was going on. Yeah, it was, it was real fun, though. It's something I'll never forget. Do you think her growing up kind of around racing, do you think that's something maybe she'll want to do someday? I know she's obviously still really young, but you think it's something that she's going to carry with her and maybe, like, be super involved in later on in life and maybe find a career in the sport? I hope so. I mean, it'd be really nice for her to, to do something like that. She loves it. I mean, she, you know, ever since COVID, she's been asking to go to Gulfstream Park um, and they unfortunately don't have fans. I mean, I could probably get in, but, 
you know, um, it's easier to go to Tampa and they're, they're open, so to speak. So um, it was just something that, that I, I figured we'd do. And uh, I had a great time. And she's like, she calls it Derby Horse. So she's, she, she says, oh, well, I want to go to Derby Horse. And I was like, all right, well, let's go. And uh, she, she absolutely loves it. She adores the horses, everything about it. So if you were not just a fan, like what is your end goal with racing? What would you like to do with the sport? I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've kicked it around to try to work in the industry. I have a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of like what I do now, which is a little bit of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, coming on shows like this and, and just meeting people and, and kind of being, I don't know, not even an ambassador. I, I don't even think I'm that important or anything like that. Just, just to be someone, uh, that's recognized and, and, and uh, everyone knows that I have a good time and, and racing what is, what it's all about for me. Um, you know, if something does happen where I get approached to do something more, I'll have to think about that at that time. But, you know, I, I just, I just enjoy it so much that it doesn't really matter what I'm doing inside the industry or outside of the industry. It's just, it's all about the horse racing for me. So how I definitely think ambassador is a good word for it because you're somebody that likes to have a lot of fun. You're somebody that is easy to approach and somebody that genuinely enjoys the game from the inside and the out. So I think that's a good word for it. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, she, it, it's true. When you said ambassador, that's a pretty good word for pretty much any. The, the whole deal is, and I've always thought this way, and I think Caitlin would agree with me that, you know, we put ourselves out there on a daily basis on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, we actually have to think before we tweet. Like, there is no, there is no like, like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that because especially nowadays, the minute that it goes out, you're pretty much done. Yeah. Um, So you have to be an ambassador to this game because there are new people coming on board. And like, I don't know if you saw that tweet a couple days ago, but some, some young lady went on and, and tweeted that, you know, she doesn't gamble. She, she doesn't want to work in the industry. She just likes watching horses run race run. And some guys like, well, that's the worst thing possible. That, no, you're not, you're not I mean, there's a place for that for everyone. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel. There, there's a place for that too. You know, I mean, obviously it's not going to help the betting pools and, and things like that, but, you know, just having someone enjoy the sport and maybe they can bring somebody in that does something else. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't discount anything. I, I know my friend, uh, Brent Simja, who's, who's a trainer uh, back in the day, uh, I met him at Churchill Downs um, years ago, probably about four or five years ago. And he, he taught me one of the, the best lessons ever. He said, and not that I didn't know this before, but it was good to hear somebody say it. And he said, you know, I never discount what anybody says about a horse race or handicapping because I never know what I'm going to get from it. And it might not be everything that someone says. It could be just a piece and I took that piece from him and that's how I kind of, uh, you know, approach things when I see it on Twitter, when people talk about their handicap and who they like and why they like them. Um, so I, I would think that approach could even, you know, kind of trans- translate to fans and bringing fans into the game. You know, maybe that person or that, that woman, you know, likes to watch horses, but she may bring somebody to the track 
who likes to gamble or maybe two people. And then that's how things kind of, you know, go like that old shampoo commercial and so on and so on and so on. And that's, so that that's the goal. And that's what, and basically that's what that, I think my comment was pretty much on point. It's, you know, she may not want to, she may not want to bet on the horses. She may not want to be an owner. She may not want to be anything, but doesn't mean she doesn't click on the articles, which means that somebody's getting paid. Doesn't mean, <laughs> and you know, how, how many of us love NASCAR? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge NASCAR guy for a lot of reasons. I Me think too. I went out and bought 2311 stuff um, the minute it started coming out because I think that's such a cool deal that Michael Jordan's doing with Bubba Wallace. And I think it's so important for the game, for that sport. And Brad Doherty does such a great job. But, sure. you know, <laughs> they'll buy stuff. Like somebody, I mean, who doesn't want a koozie from Barshoe? <laughs> I know I do. I, I got a bunch of bunch of stable doing ones. I need I need a I need a shoeby one. But uh, side note, side note, I can hear the cars right now uh, from my house for Daytona. They're they're ra- they're racing right now. Yeah, they're they got the duels going on. Yeah, it's a little bizarre because you know I'm watching it on TV, but I can also hear it. So it's a little strange. It's the best part of it, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've, I've been to the Daytona 500. It, it's, it's such a great time. Um, you know, I, it's, it's just a unique experience that, you know, it kind of sort of like horse racing in a way. You know, it, there's nothing like going to the track. And, and the same thing with, you know, NASCAR. Going to a NASCAR event is, is such a unique experience that, you know, people would tend to fall in love with it just by going. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of like, you know, the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, I, I like going to the to uh, to the Breeders' Cup Classic, or I like going to Breeders' Cup Weekend. I like going, I like going to big events. As one of my friends used to say, you just, you just like to, um, you just like to collect memories sure. and experiences. And I'm like, yeah, you have a point that I do that, but, you know, I brought my wife to Breeders' Cup one time and there's a great picture of her where she's got my iPad and she's watching Texas A&M and whoever <laughs> playing them because the races in between are, the races are so far in between. She didn't have anything to do and she didn't know what to do. It's like too boring for her to just like watch racing and then be like, okay, we got 20, 25 minutes. Well, we have things that we do in between 20, 25 minutes because we've been taught to do things in between, but she has it. So to her, it's boring. Yeah. Well, my wife, you know, working as a teller, that's how she got introduced to horse racing, you know, was just by taking bets. She didn't really understand, you know, what the whole big deal was until I actually brought it to the track. And now she gets it. You know, she likes going to the track. It's, it's, It's definitely an event. It's, it's exciting. She likes to be, you know, involved, especially when, you know, you know, when I'm cheering and, and, you know, involved in pick fours, pick fives and all that stuff. It's exciting. So, you know, it's just an experience that I think people will fall in love with the game. If they go, you just got to get them to go out. Let's have some fun. All right. So I've got just a couple little questions lined up, just some hypothetical ones. So, if you were a trainer, who would be your go-to jockey? Oh, Joe Rosario, hands down. That's my man. 
if you were a reader? Bobby's kitten. Bobby's kitten. All right. Um, if you were a jockey, what trainer would you want to ride for? Ooh, that's a tough one. So many good ones. I'd have to say Todd Pletcher. Pletcher's going. What track would you want to ride at? Uh, Naira, for sure. Naira. Okay. Okay. For sure. I've, I've, I've thought about these things. Like, when I was a kid, I don't know if I, I mentioned this on your podcast before, is uh, I, like, when I was small, <clears throat> I used to want to be a jockey. But obviously, my dad's like six, seven. So that wasn't going to happen. But while I was little, you know, I used to get the goggles from the jockeys and, you know, got whips. And I used to I used to, quote unquote, ride my mother's couch. <laughs> I used to you know, kind of set it up like I was a jockey. And, 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 you know, back then there was like VHS tapes and I used to tape uh, the Naira replay show. And then I used to pretend I was a jockey. I mean, it, that's that's how deep this goes for me, and and a lot of people don't realize it until they they kind of get to know me. But um, yeah, it's always been a passion of mine since since uh, I can remember. Jeez. Here, so here, here's kind of like on your end, you know. Um, the one the one the one good thing is I've done quite a bit on on all aspects of racing, and I remember when I was hustling book at Los Alamitos for the quarter horses and the Arabians and, and the thoroughbreds, um, Laura Goulas and Roxanne Losi and JD Michener with my, were my writers. And I had, I had an into every single Arabian barn hmm. over there. And one of them was, uh, Magna Terra Smokey and, uh, John Berger, who was the trainer, who was, who was one of the trainers there. And the owner that John Berger had, her and I were really close and good friends. And she would be like, why don't you just jump on this Arabian and just take him to the gap for John and this and that. I remember one day I took him to the gap and John's like, get off of that horse. And I said, I can, I can make weight. And he goes, what can you make weight? I go, I can make 10, right? And, and all the jocks are around, like, looking, going, what the heck is he going to say next? And he goes, you can't make 10. And I go, yeah, I can, 210. And <laughs> the jocks were dying. They were like, Blaine Schwanevelt was there. He, I got res mad respect from Blaine after I did that because he realized that <laughs> this game was fun for me. And I always worked hard. But, I mean, it's the same thing. Nobody really realizes how in debt in in deep you are until something happens and like with you it was the whole naira and the, the jockey stuff i'm sure with caitlin it's with all of the times that she goes to the breeding farms and has all her stuff together so since racing is like such a deeply personal thing for you barry and it's something that you've grown up around something you have a real connection with what do you really want to see change for the future generations in order for racing to be enjoyed as much by them hmm, that's a good question uh well i wanted to stick around <laughs> first and foremost because i i know they're you know the business isn't perfect at this point um there there's a lot of things that need to be tweaked by you know on the business side of things and also uh, kind of like with the legislative part of things, um, 
and I think that's really important to solidify the future. I mean, I, I've said this before and in, in, in half joking, saying that by the time my daughter's 20, there's only going to be half the tracks that are running now at that time. And she's, she's seven. So I don't want that to happen. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that need to be done in order to solidify a, a solid future for the sport. Um, whether it's cleaning up the game with with any kind of cheating, um, you know, with with uh, trainers stuff like that, um, the perception within the public, especially in California, um, you know, with the the horse breakdowns and things, and 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 it's just fan education. It's just things that that needs to be out there, and 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 people need to be educated about in order to understand. And I think if that gets out there, people will understand what we're doing and 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 why we love it so much. Um, instead of making assumptions and, and things of that sort. Um, but I, I think the game as a whole just needs to kind of promote itself in, in a positive light, and then we'll be able to move ahead and, and, and uh, solidify that future. Do you, do, you agree. That, do you feel that one of the things that needs to happen is more, tra is more transparency too? Yes, absolutely. That's one of the things that, you know, part of that legislative point um, transparency is key. I mean, I don't know if you follow the races in Hong Kong, but that's one of the most transparent places you could ever run a horse. I mean, everything. They have every bit of information that you could ever ask for as a fan, better anybody participating in the sport. And we can get to that point. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of, you know, a lot of things have to change. The tracks have to get on the same page. You know, there's a lot of things and moving parts that need to come together. It's not impossible, but it, it is difficult. Yeah, well, you know, the one, the, one, the one thing about, like, the animal welfare stuff that people are always clamoring about, right? I think these horses get taken care of better than 99% of the human <laughs> on Earth. Absolutely. Um, and I think there's a mischaracterization. And, I mean, it, it's not only this sport. It was greyhound racing. It's bull riding, you know, people think that, you know, in bull riding, they, they tie something on the, on the male's parts and they don't, you know, with horse racing, it's, oh, they run them all the time and they don't care how they, how sore they are or anything like that, but they don't realize that this is their livelihood. And 99% of the grooms really, really love the horses. Like I, I don't think. I ever did not love any of the horses I took care of when I was on the racetrack. It's almost like, how could you not? I mean, <laughs> you, you're around the horses for two minutes and, and it's, and it's just enjoyable. They're, they're like big puppy dogs and, and it's fantastic. I, I don't see how anybody could be mean or upset or I don't even know what kind of emotion, but any, any kind of negative feelings around horses. It's just, to me, it's impossible. So one one thing that was big during the summertime, and I want to bring it up because I think it's important, especially in, especially in this day and age and the culture that we live in. You know, when I was growing up, there were, you know, prior to, let's say, the 2000s, I think I could name like two trainers off the top of my list that were, that were African-American. And they had small barns. What, what needs to happen to get more people involved? There's not a lot of assistant trainers. 
the diversity is really bad there because it's it, in horse racing something needs to change yeah i mean you know just the history of horse racing in general you know back in the 18 whatevers there was a lot of black people involved and now it's it's really virtually none um you have to think about why that is you know it's just part of the culture of the of the sport is kind of old money a lot of people from from way back and and you know there's a lot of uh things that that kind of play into it but today 2000 you know 21 is a new day the world's changing a lot of things are becoming more and more inclusive this is the time i think that um horse racing can seize to opportunity to get more diversity in the sport there may be more interest i mean look at look at social media in general how fast information flows this wasn't happening back in the 80s or 90s or you know even early 2000s but at this point in time you know if there's any if there's going to be any kind of movement towards that way it's going to start here um you know, and that, that goes for, you know, the Hispanic community as well. Um, I, I think anybody, you know, would love this sport. There's so many diverse people. There's so many, you know, uh, facets of the game that anybody can get involved in. And I think, you know, it, it's tough. It, it has to be a conscious effort. I know uh, the Jockey Club did some things earlier in the, in the year. I think it was back when they had their round table. Um, but that's the first step. Then they got to take the step to actually do things. And, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll take somebody in a prominent position to kind of push that through. So hopefully we can reach out to those people and, you know, kind of could persuade them to understand and, and kind of move those things forward. Whether it be people of color, women, young people, I guess it kind of really goes the same way. Like, how does racing really expose itself, get itself out there? rather than just old white people. I mean, like you said, it is old money. It is the type of thing, but I mean, so many different cultures and backgrounds are the backbone of racing. And I mean, I guess it's just so hard for me to understand, but I guess because I'm not in that situation, why racing just hasn't like really caught fire. I think it's, it's, it's a, you know, I think the next generation like is, is going to promote it a lot better. Um, because a lot of those older type attitudes are kind of going away. So with that comes the, the inclusion of everyone. And I think that's a good thing. You know, the younger, younger children, even um, my stepson, who's, who's 18, he has a different perspective on life and even his friends. So you can tell that, that things are going to change in a different way. And hopefully that, that horse racing jumps on that and brings that along with it. I think it's just going to be tremendous for the sport to, to add new fans from different cultures. So one Absolutely. last question I have for you, and this is going back to one of Caitlin's fun things. <laughs> give me, give me a historical horse that you think was first off was the greatest you've ever seen or have heard about the most underrated one you've ever seen or heard about. Jeez, that's 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 a tough one. Um, well, I have to say, Cardinascra was one of my historical favorites, only because that was the horse that uh, I picked to win the Travers in 1984 when I was eight years old, and that that was basically my first winner. That 
you know. Um, so so that horse, you know, as, as good as he was, I think was a little bit underrated. Um, geez, there's just so many. I mean, I used to go there every year from 84 all the way up through like 2000. Um, I'm so shook right now. I thought you and I were like really close in age. I, you're... <laughs> no, I'm like a hundred years old. I'm a... <laughs> but I fool people all the time. So they always think that I'm, I'm a lot younger than I am, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. And they all over, so we're good. One of the fastest, actually one of the fastest races I ever saw was uh, lawyer Ron's Whitney. Oh, wow. I thought that that performance was amazing. If, if you get a chance to look at it, I had never at that point seen a horse run that fast. I think he broke the track record that day, but I mean, to see it in person, I was, I was actually sitting in the box seats at Saratoga at the top of the stretch. And I was like, wow, that horse is moving. And I, I just couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the one thing that, that really, I really was happy that I got to see was Criminal Type and Sunday Silence and the Hollywood Gold Cup. Nice. And, you don't see horses like that anymore. And I remember, I remember watching the race, but I watched the race and it was a blur because, I mean, here are two horses going at it the entire time. And then I went home to watch it because at the time you could go watch it on Channel 56 in LA and get the <laughs> race replays and I recorded it and I was listening to the race because Michael Rona was on it and at that point I became a Michael Rona fan I'll, I will never become another any other any other announcer is nowhere near Michael Rona because his comment when they were in the stretch was it's a soul staring duel and there was a great line because they were so neck and neck. And I just remember going, this is why I love this game. It's like, this is the greatest thing ever. It certainly is. And now the funny, funny thing is uh, the last time I was at Saratoga was 2009. I haven't been back, but it was Rachel's Woodward. And I almost don't want to go back because that memory is so good. That was, that was like one of the best races I've ever seen. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. That and her preakness. Yes. I mean, her whole campaign that year was phenomenal. That's crazy. Anything else for him, Caitlin? I don't think so. It was so good to be back with you guys. And we're so happy to have you, Barry. And next week, we'll have a whole new show plan ready to go. So, Andy, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think we got to get a bunch of us on a Zoom call here soon and try to get something going. Let's get a plan. Yeah, let's get a plan. I'm, I'm down. I'm always down. Um, we gotta figure out. We gotta figure it out. I kind of, I kind of was joking, or I kind of was thinking about um, getting together a bunch of people that were in that, that are in that H two H daily gallop deal. And oh yeah, yeah. Deal together and just going live because yeah, sometimes be cool. some of the comments and stuff that goes on in between races and all that, and it's not appropriate. Is, not talking about the inappropriate stuff. I'm about in general, just the smack talk and the fact that everyone's afraid of Caitlin when they're trying to play her because for whatever reason, they think that, you know, I mean, A, she can't be beat anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, 
Yeah, you just go in with an L and you're fine. <laughs> you guys need to get down here to Gulfstream so we can hang out. Yeah. I'm hoping to be in Ocala here in a few weeks, so okay. maybe I'll venture my way down there. Yeah, or even Tampa. Yeah. How far? Tampa's close to Ocala. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. Oakland. My nephew lives in Arkansas. So why don't you come to Oakland? I should. You should. I mean, I've never been. I heard it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And then the best part about it is a lot. Food. Well, the food, yeah. But the water. <laughs> oh, yeah? The water. you They basically have these hot spring. Oh, spring, that's right. Uh, fountains that you can get water out of. The, you just basically pour your bottles of I hope it's not like big red spring at Saratoga. That's I gross. That big red spring at Saratoga is gross. Oh, no, this stuff is great. Okay. I'll take your word for it. It tastes good, too. So I'm so happy we finally got you on here. Um, you should have been one of our first guests, and I don't know why I didn't even think of it. <laughs> I was pushing <laughs> for it. That's all right. You know, you guys got me on now. I, I, you know, I'm definitely honored to uh, have you guys invite me. Yeah, you know, it, Charles it's definitely a treat. Too. Oh, Chuck will do it. That's my yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Excellent. All righty, thanks a lot. All right, thank you so much. I'll see you around Twitter. All righty, you too. All right. That was a good Zoom room with Caitlin Free, Andy Villanueva, and our special guest, Barry Urban Handicapper Spears. The sniper. The sniper. I never even heard You've never heard the sniper story? Another time. Another time. <laughs> Next time you have me on, I'll, I'll give you that one. I got a lot of stories. <laughs> Great. Awesome. We'll have story time one day. <laughs> All righty. Have a good one, y'all. All right. See you next week.